Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, sound like you like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Ben Nichols' band, Lucero, is a great band. They're a great live band, which is particularly heartbreaking in the current pandemic era because a great live band has no place to play anymore. Ben spoke to me via Zoom, obviously, from his home in Ohio. His band is Memphis-based, so he has been able to go down a few times and do streaming gigs from venues in Memphis with Lucero. They've got a brand new record that's in the process of coming out right now. I loved talking to him because it's funny. He's one of those guys. He's just on stage. He's so big and scary almost. You know, he's like this ah, larger than life rock and roll dude. But of course, he's a sweetheart and he had a lot of great wisdom. I'll tell you right now before you start the podcast that there were three or four moments where somebody's Wi-Fi went sideways for about one to two seconds each. A couple of them were in the middle of answers that I really wished we could have heard clean, but guys, we're all in the same stupid boat, right? So I think everybody understands when you hear a little bit of robot voice, just give it about, like I said, one or two seconds, and he'll be back to Ben Nichols with his gravelly, cool rock star voice. He really is a cool dude. I'm so glad I got to have him on Wheels Off. I'm excited for the new Lucero album. And um, I'm excited for you guys to hear Wheels Off with Ben Nichols. Welcome to Wheels Off, Ben Nichols. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Dude, this is so great. Um, So for the edification of our listeners, will you tell them where, tell us where you are right now? Right now, I'm uh, up in Ohio. Uh, my wife is from up here. And uh, so when we got married a few years back, um, it made more sense for me to relocate up here. I've still got the place in Tennessee, and all the boys in Lucero are still in Memphis. Uh, but my family, my daughter, uh, my family life is up in Ohio. So I'm in my basement, uh, which is kind of my music room uh, up here in Ohio. Yeah, that's great. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And it's a fun looking room. Um, I don't know. Obviously, nobody can see it, but it's cool. You got keys and guitars and rock posters. Yeah, some comic book posters, uh, some heavy metal posters. Um, Yeah, a little Behringer synthesizer here. Yeah, everything everything a a teenage boy needs. This (laughs) this is the room I wish I had. You know, when I was fifteen years old. Now I finally I've got it. Now me me too. Um, so what are you working on right now and how, if, how is it lighting you up? Man, uh, I've got a number of projects. We've got this new album coming out, uh, called when you found me. So most of my time has been taken up, uh, well, within the last year has been just writing that recording that, um, 
And so that's what most of my efforts been focused on. But that's led to some cool other stuff. I've done uh, some lyric videos uh, for some of the singles as we've released them. Uh, but I've done illustrations and very simple animation as well. Um, and that's always been something I've loved graphic novels and I've always liked to draw. And so incorporating that into the music side of things has been really fun. I got an Apple uh, iPad pro with an Apple pencil and that just opened up all sorts of new possibilities. So I've, I've been having a lot of fun incorporating that. So. So you've really been teaching yourself like whole new, you know, media. I have. I have. Um, yeah, like I said, I've always drawn and I've always wanted to do a graphic novel. Um, and so, I, you know, I'd use Crowquill pens and the India ink and bristle board and do like old school comic book pages. Um, but I, I got busy with the band and, um, and I kind of let the drawing, uh, you know, just kind of fade away. But now... With this Apple, with this iPad, I don't mean to sound like a commercial for it, but um, <laughs> no. I'm having so much fun with it. Um, just being able to draw on the tour bus or, you know, on the airplane or, well, back when I was traveling yeah. still. Um, but you can take it anywhere and you've got, you know, your entire comic book and everything you need to make it right there. Um, and so, yeah, thank God for YouTube. I was able to learn how to use these apps and these art apps and drawing apps. Um, and yeah, I kind of taught myself how to do it and then, yeah, I was able to kind of find a way to, uh, use some of those skills to help out Lucero a little bit with the, with the lyric videos and make them a little more interesting. Maybe. Dude, that's so cool. I mean, you always wind up uh, trusting somebody often. I feel like it's like, um, an intern at the record label. He's like, I know how to do a <laughs> right. lyric video, but yeah. the fact that you can do them yourself, that's incredible. I just, and I mean, they're nothing fancy, but, um, the one for we did we've got a song the first single called Outrun the Moon and um it's kind of this maybe a murder ballad mm -hmm. uh, I don't know it's the lyrics are kind of vague <laughs> but it's about kind of a young girl uh, protagonist and then I don't know there's the lyrics I, I like the lyrics being vague but yeah. the but I had these images in my head and um so I actually got a chance you know and you don't get a chance to do this often when you're a songwriter to actually you know, physically draw the, put the image on paper that you're seeing every time you sing those lyrics. Um, and so that was a new experience and it was really cool. And it, it made those vague lyrics. It gave them a very specific uh, story. And so it kind of fleshed out the story and the idea. And uh, it was cool being able to share those things I see in my brain um, that go along with those lyrics to me. Um, I don't know. I guess the beauty of lyrics oftentimes is that, you know, one one set of lyrics might mean one thing to a, a one listener and completely something else to a different listener and not even worrying about what the actual writer was thinking when he was writing it or she was writing it. Um, but, but in this case, putting these images into this lyric video, um, I don't know. It was just so much fun and it was such a complete, the circle was kind of completed. Like, you know, uh, I started with the idea for the music and then the lyrics came and then, yeah, I was able to kind of bring it all full circle with these with these images that kind of kicked everything off in the first place. Well, it's like a graphic novel, but instead of exactly, yeah, it's a, you're you're able to. It's like combining two art forms to add depth, maybe to the thing that you're making. Hopefully, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it gives it gives people kind of a an, an inside look, uh, kind of into what was in my in my head at the time, at least. Um, 
so yeah, we'll see. Maybe uh, I would love it if I could uh, keep the energy going and um, actually go back and try to finish one of these graphic novels. Uh, one of these ideas that I've had for floating around since the beginning of the band and they just got sidelined and it would be nice to go back and revisit some of those if I, if I can. So we'll see, we'll see, hopefully. It sounds like you've been pretty productive during this lockdown. Uh, yeah, I've got to admit, uh, I kind of hate to say it, but I've had a really good year. Um, I've just, I've got to spend a lot of time with my family and my daughter who's four and a half now. So it's a great time to spend at home with her. Um, but yeah, we got a new record in the can and then, yeah, I've learned some new skills <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've been trying to keep busy. I get, I get depressed if I'm not, if I'm not doing something. Um, yeah, I can get real down on myself pretty you know, quickly. And it's, I know, cause I'm, I'm in New York and it's, it's that time right now where it's really feeling kind of the lockdown is especially locked down. There's a lot of snow. It's cold yep. as hell. Yep. Yeah. The same in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you find projects to do and, and, um, something to be excited about, you know? Um, and that was as much work as those videos were, um, to produce. It was, it was still kind of invigorating every morning, you know, I'd get up and take care of Izzy and, you know, get the house in order and then go down in the office. And I knew I had to draw this many drawings, you know, for, to meet the deadline. And it was, it would, it felt good to, yeah, it always feels good to have a project. And you've got a brother who's a filmmaker. Yeah, he's a really good filmmaker, uh, Jeff Nichols. Yeah, um, he uh, obviously we all grew up in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and um, he now he lives down in Austin um, yeah. with my other brother, who's a, a defense attorney down there. <laughs> so yeah, we got the whole we got everything Nichols family. But um, yeah, Jeff's super talented. I guess he's made five films now. Uh-huh. And uh, and he's working on like four more, like all at the same time. I don't know how, I don't yeah. know how he does it. Well, um, he probably says his, the same thing about you. You're making an album and making lyric videos and graphic novels. And I, I hopefully, uh, yeah, we've got, I don't know. Uh, we each have our own kind of uh, interests and focuses. Um, but yeah, the way he does the kind of longer format storytelling, you know, just putting a story together enough to fill up a three minute song is is a challenge for me sometimes, but how he keeps, you know, a two hour film, how he keeps it all in his head and knows, you know, kind of intuitively how it's going to flow and how long this scene should be compared to this scene. And I don't know, it's a, uh, it's mind boggling to me. Um, just keeping all that in, in his head. It's that's funny. I, that's how I think about it too. And like when I read a, a, a book that seems overly large, just in terms of scope, like um, Underworld by DeLillo, like it's this giant yeah. thing. And I'm like, how did he keep that all straight? But you're the same thing, yeah. like the filmmaker. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's a bit like you and I sit down and maybe 30 minutes later, there's a three minute song or whatever. Right. right. And some, yeah. And sometimes I spend months trying to get that thing, yeah. you know, <laughs> to find just the right line to fit in just the right spot. Um, and yeah, sometimes it's a three minute long story and I, I don't know how it's good. I don't know how it's going to end. And I've got to kind of wait for that to pop into my brain. And sometimes it's, it takes a while for it to present itself to me. Um, and so, yeah, just magnifying that into like a full feature film, or a novel, yeah. um, or a full graphic novel, or something. Even, um, yeah, that's 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 something I would love to pursue, um, but I think it's going to take some. Uh, it'll take some learning, and I'll have to f- kind of figure out how to work in that you know frame of mind. Um, 
but it's something I want to, it's something I want to tackle, you know, for sure. Um, so extrapolating from my own experience growing up in Texas, I can imagine that growing up in Arkansas, there wasn't, there weren't probably a lot of forces pushing you to do thoughtful artistic stuff. I mean, I don't mean to paint with a broad right, brush, right. but, but though, you know, those Southern states and what town in Arkansas were you? you uh, we, were in, we were in Little Rock. So okay. we were, we were the big city, the big city. Yeah. <laughs> For so, Arkansas. Um, yeah. Do you remember though a moment when you knew like this is it I'm going to do music or or art maybe more generally was there like an epiphany moment for you Man it was always I don't know if it was my parents aren't necessarily you know creative folks um my dad loves going to the movies and um you know he's he my my grandmother sold uh pianos and organs um that was that was what she always loved. And my dad worked for her and my uncle worked for her. And it was the, that was the family business, J&J Piano and Organ. Um, but my dad never was interested in playing piano. He could play just enough to kind of demonstrate and fool around and make a sale. But he never went beyond that. Um, and my mom, super sweet and loving, but whew, singing in church was rough. It was, she, uh, she knows. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure where... Um, it all came from, but they were always very supportive of anything my brothers and I wanted to do. Um, and I don't know, growing up in the eighties, basically we were growing up in the suburbs of Little Rock, which I have a feeling was pretty similar to the suburbs anywhere else. You know, you're watching the same movies, you're seeing the same TV shows and, um, maybe getting inspired by the same things. Um, I knew, I think I knew I wanted to play music from very young, four or five, you know, listening to my dad's old 45 collection, um, like the cheesy, like rock around the clock and rock and Robin and those, you know, 50 songs. And I would just put those on my little 45 player and rock out in my room. I remember, um, being real young and I didn't know exactly what Robin was, but I knew, I knew I liked it. <laughs> I knew I, that's, I could go that direction. That sounds fun. Um, but then I always liked drawing from a young age and, and my brother, Jeff, he knew from the age of 13 or 14, he knew he wasn't going to go to like a liberal arts school and, you know, try to find himself or he, he went straight out of high school into film school and he was going to be a director from the age of 13 or 14 on. Um, so yeah, we've all been, we've all kind of known what, what direction we were going for a while. Um, and I don't know, I think, um, I think the funny part is, as much as we wanted to get out of Arkansas um, and, you know, in your teenage years, you're, you're discovering punk rock and you're, you're seeing all this stuff, whatever, in movies and on TV and you just, um, um, Arkansas seemed like the most boring place ever, you know? Um, but then, uh, I don't know, you get older and now Jeff likes to make all of his movies in Arkansas. And I don't know, I draw a lot of musical inspiration from Arkansas too. So, um, yeah, Arkansas is definitely a part of who we are. Um, and yeah, we ended up being fairly artistic <laughs> in spite of the fact that we were from Arkansas. I had, I had a, my great grandma lived in uh, Pine Bluff. So I spent oh, a lot yeah. of summers in Pine Bluff as a kid. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, I could see where you're getting at because really starting about the eighties, the, everything got homogenized and it became all cracker. Bar well, not, I mean, you know, whatever strip. I know models. what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. And um, cable TV. There's very little, I guess it's like Marshall McLuhan, right? He talked about the global village. Like it used to be the villages had their own specific flavor and now right. it's one big, you know, everything's the same. 
yeah, I mean, we all grew up watching the same Sesame Street, and learning, yeah. you know, and learning words the same way as yeah, kids all across the country. And um, I don't know. There's, it. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, but I mean, there was the entire world right there, kind of. You know, even before the internet, um, it was still being you know funneled into our house through the television and the radio or whatever mediums existed at the time. And yeah, you just you just want to soak as much up as you can. And yeah. um, I don't know. I think uh, yeah, Jeff's first film school really was yeah going to all those movies with my dad and us. You know, we'd go to two or three movies a week um, at the time when we were you know just in grade school. On school nights, we'd be going to movies. And um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, that storytelling bug, uh, we caught it early. That's so cool. Um, so it sounds like your folks growing up were pretty supportive of you. And and um, it kind of seems like your home was, I mean, I, I'm, again, what I guess what I'm interested in is as you've come up and as you've um, built this career and made these great records and established this loyal fan base. Um, what obstacles have you, you don't actually have to get in. I, I imagine that there have been certain obstacles internally <laughs> generated. Right. You've had to overcome, you know, doubts, um, uh, sure. like imposter syndrome, um, you know, just right. all, all these things that we, that we battled that are unseen by the people looking at us on the stage or whatever, like what, right. what tricks have you figured out to get past those? Man, I guess the whole, the whole thing started really with, um, well, I was listening to your, uh, I was listening to your episode with Michael Casey, oh. uh, the magician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause we've known him for a long time. We met him in North Carolina ages ago and, um, so I was just scrolling through through the Wheels Off podcasts, just seeing who you'd interviewed. I was like, "Oh, Michael, I'll listen to that one." And um, I just he touched on uh, it being a coping mechanism uh, when he was learning magic, um, and it helped him get through certain stresses. And um, and that's kind of how I feel about the music. Um, it was for me. Uh, I wasn't necessarily, especially in the beginning, um, wasn't making music really as a career or even to express something to anybody else. I was just doing it to keep me sane through the long nights. Um, and to feel like I was, I don't know, being productive in a way just to, uh, yeah, get you through the lonely nights or the rough nights or whatever. Um, it would, for me, it was a coping mechanism and the music was itself was just therapy, I guess, in a way. Um, and then, the whole music uh, as a career thing was almost a byproduct. Um, that was kind of a second afterthought. Um, really, I was just using the music to just kind of get by. Um, you touched on that earlier. You said that if you didn't keep busy, you would fall into depression. Yeah, I guess it's still, it's an ongoing thing. Um, and, uh, but luckily, yeah, I found that, uh, it's not it's not hard to combat if um if you just find the right outlets for it, you know. And um and yeah, I think uh being productive is as long as I'm able to feel like I'm, you know, making something, um then then I can I can work through, you know, whatever obstacles there might be. Um it definitely helps me quite a bit. Um 
as far as what the obstacles are, it's the same as every. I'm getting imposter syndrome, self doubt, or, uh, you know, especially in the inter- with the internet now, there's just naysayers everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, everybody's a critic and, uh, yeah, it's tough to let all that stuff slide, but, um, but you have to, and you have to just focus on, on the work. And so, yeah, again, it's just the work itself that I think kind of really saves me. Well, well, it seems like from what I know about you, that there were, there were, you know, there was a youth spent, not unlike mine with a lot of things that you might not have survived. Right. Yeah, and, for um, sure. and um, I think what talking point a few years ago when Izzy was yeah. born was that you were calming down a little bit and the, yeah. leaving some of the self-destruction behind you. For sure. And that was, I mean, that was, that was in the old days of Lucero, we, uh, we kind of took that replacements idea, that self-destructive, uh, idea and ran with it as far as we could. And, um, and I had a blast, uh, and I'm very, yeah, very lucky to be alive. Um, but it was, I don't know, we had a good time and we lived that kind of romantic rock band in a van traveling the country lifestyle um and it was exactly what that you know six-year-old seven-year-old kid you know wanted to do when i first really discovered music and wanted to be in a band that was that was the romantic ideal for me was getting in a van with a bunch of idiots (laughs) and traveling (laughs) the country and we did it um but yeah that'll you know you kind of run yourself into the ground after a while doing that and um, I don't know, there was a point, really, because we were a four-piece band for a long time, just two guitars, bass, and drums. Um, but then, and, and it was getting to the point, I don't know, we'd made four or five records, and I was about done. I, I still loved music, but I kind of was getting to the point where I felt we'd push this about as far as it can go. And we weren't living the healthiest lifestyles. And yeah, it was a little self-destructive. And the music, I was... I think the songwriting was still solid, but eh, the shows had become more farce than musical performance almost. Um, and I was like, all right, we've pushed this about as, as far as we can. But that's luckily right at that moment. That's when Rick Steff, my keyboard player showed up at band practice. John C, my bass player brought him and um, just adding this new element to the band. Uh, it just opened up a whole new world of possibilities for the songwriting and what Lucero could do on stage. And um, I give him credit uh, for saving the band. Uh, he kind of got me excited about playing the music again and not just the self-destructive sides of being in a rock and roll band. Um, and now I still drink whiskey, and I still drink too much whiskey from time to time. Um, but, but I'm definitely now, since then, uh, yeah, I've been more focused on, on playing the songs and, and really, I don't know, trying to put a little more uh, craft into it. And um, I don't know, because we were always, we came from the kind of punk rock side of things where it's like, eh, you don't really have to know how to play your instrument. You just get up there and, you know, bang it out, bash it out. And we did that for a long time. But Rick, Rick is a, man, he's just a great piano player. He's a professional, um, you know, studio musician type guy who's played with everybody. And the fact that he would actually, you know, get in that van and be in a band with guys like us and play these songs that I've written, you know, he's, he's a professional. Why would he want to play these songs? 
but that really it was it inspired me and it gave me a certain level of confidence to really i don't know i didn't have to hide behind the whiskey because i've got this amazing piano player that even if everything else falls apart he can carry it you know he can he can keep going even you know if everyone else falls off stage he can keep that piano part going and and finish the song and um so yeah i i give him a whole lot of credit um and yeah, now we've kind of gotten better and better, I think, since then. We've learned a whole lot uh, in this kind of second half of our career. Um, just, I don't know. Yeah, putting a little more thought into things. Slowing down, easing back the throttle a little bit. And um, yeah, focusing on the music a little bit more. So yeah, I feel, uh, I've, for being as old as we are, uh, I feel pretty good about the spot that we're in. It feels like that those early days that you describe as kind of the replacement days, it, in a way, it feels like um, there was, though, beneath it all, a work ethic. The, like, you guys were working really hard, and like you were, in a way, you were taking it seriously, despite the fact that you were debauching yourselves night after night. So I just, I mean, I guess I, I want to make sure that we don't <laughs> gloss over that so kids think, oh, if I just get wasted, then I'm going to wind up being like Ben Nichols. Right. You are no, also you're right. really hard. <laughs> There's you're right. That's not um you're right. And now now that we've got kids and yeah, you gotta think about the way these things sound. And you're right, that sounds horrible. Um <laughs> and I would never say that Lucero was any kind of example to follow. Um <laughs> but we did um yeah, we got in the van and we booked our own tours for a long time and then you know, you you work long enough and you get a booking agent and they help out quite a bit. And then you just keep going and um, you know how it is. You just get in the van and go. But there's, man, when we started in 98, early 2000s, that, that time in Memphis, Tennessee was, uh, it, to me, it was like a golden era of uh, the local scene. There were a hundred bands and there were 50 venues and there was, everybody was in a band and everybody was making records, um, you know, just seven inches or burning their own CDs, whatever. And they were just making it happen. But out of those, all those bands that existed at the time, there was only a few that kind of made it out of the, that black hole kind of that was Memphis. And a lot of towns, I think, can be like that. Um, because it takes a certain sacrifice to, you know, we all lived in a crappy warehouse together. Our rent was 600 bucks a month for all four of us. And we had some other roommates too. <laughs> so our share of the rent was really cheap at the time. We had no central heater air. All the windows were broken out. It was rough. Um, and I was the only one with the van. Nobody else even had a car. Most of the guys didn't have driver's licenses. John C. had a driver's license, but was it legal? I don't know. Uh, was it valid? Uh, probably not. And Roy and Brian didn't even have licenses, so I was the only driver. But nobody had car payments. Nobody had kids. And we all lived super cheap rent. And um, so we didn't have anything to be at home for, so might as well just get in the van and go. And that's really the the only thing we did right, is we just, we kept going and we didn't stop. Um, even when maybe we should have sometimes. We just plowed on through. So yeah, um, we weren't afraid to, um, to get into the van and, and play some shows. Even when, you know, in the early days, it might just be you and the bartender stuck behind the bar and you that's the three, you know, there's the bartender and then you guys, and that's all. But if the bartender likes you, that's, uh, that's, I, I remember maybe the local five Oh six in, uh, Chapel, in Hill. Chapel Hill. Yeah. 
which is where we met Michael Casey, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I think at that first show, it might have just been us and Johnny, the bartender. <laughs> but he, but he had a blast, and I don't even know if we were his type of music or not. But <laughs> for some reason, he he was real friendly to us. And the next time we went, you know, he called ten or fifteen of his buddies, and they showed up. And then all of a sudden, our shows in Chapel Hill are really good and really fun. And it all kind of started right there. And um, so, yeah, we weren't afraid to, to just start small. Yeah. Uh, God, I don't think I've heard a better distillation of how to make the thing you love work than what you just said about. I think the thing we did right was just to keep going, just keep pushing yeah. through despite yeah. the squalor. Exactly. And it is, I don't know, to me, it was romantic. And I was young. And like I said, we didn't have... Uh, kids to pay for that. That was, yeah. I don't know. We, we had certain things going for us. We were just, we were young and, you know, pretty carefree, I guess. Is, um, but it's, it's possible to do um, no matter what your situation, it's just figuring out how to do it. Um, and yeah, we did it by living in, <laughs> in abject poverty. for <laughs> <laughs> So this is funny. This question really takes on such a, um, um, more like uh, specifically useful uh, overtone now that you have kids or now that we have kids. Um, yeah. But what advice might you give yourself if you were to encounter a 21-year-old version of Ben Nichols in today's world, working in 2021? Man, um, I, would, I would tell myself to, um, to just kind of ease back a little bit. Nothing, uh, nothing is a make or break kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. Take a little bit of the pressure off of yourself, I think is um, one thing I might say. Uh, you don't have to go full throttle all the time. Um, take your time. Really make sure that the work you're doing is the work that you want, uh, you know, to look back on in 20 years. Um, don't just bowl through it. Uh, appreciate where you are at the time. I don't, there's a lot in, I kind of rambled through that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess maybe uh, that's, that's what I got to is actually what I meant. Just appreciate where you are. Don't always uh, spend all your time thinking about where you're going to be. I know they say, think about the future and that you got to plan for the future, but it's, it's very important to just appreciate where you are and have a good time while you're there. And um, don't spend all your time. Uh, I don't know worrying so much about uh, where you've got to be tomorrow or what people are going to think about you tomorrow. Just appreciate where you are and, and appreciate the work you're doing there and make sure it's something you're proud of. I don't know. That was a horrible answer. It was no, all over the place. <laughs> I, it was great. It was great. My, um, my kids, I'm, a, I'm like 10 years ahead of you. My daughter is 14 and a half. And right. boy, you're going to be, it'll go, well, they say it goes fast, which is true, but yeah. you're going to, you're going to laugh so hard when she is like a young woman and she's telling you her deep thoughts and you're like, Oh my God, you're smarter than better. Than me. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it also scares the hell out of me. Um, but, uh, my, my wife, I've got stepdaughters, I've got teenagers that are stepdaughters. So nice. I've got, I'm experiencing a little bit of that now. Um, and our, we've got a 16 year old and she plays piano and sings. And I actually got her up on stage at one of the Lucero, hometown Memphis shows. Um, and it happened to be her mother's birthday and, uh, she'd written a song for her mom for her birthday. And I was like, well, we've got this show and it's a perfect venue to, you know, 
we'll keep it a secret. We won't let your mom know. And you can hop up on stage and play Rick's piano. And, and it worked beautifully. She stole, she stole the show. Um, but it's been really cool having someone else in the house that, uh, cause my wife doesn't understand what I do at all. She's, she likes, she knows she likes the band and she knows that I'm kind of good at what I do, but, eh. but, but with Jocelyn, uh, you know, I get to teach her how to use GarageBand and, you know, how to set up the microphones and I don't know. It's really fun having, having someone that age, um, that kind of is interested in the same things that I'm interested in. So we'll see. Izzy is like I said, four and a half. So she'll bang on the drums and she loves the reverb on the microphone and just singing into the microphone and hearing herself and she dances. So there's a bit of a performer in Izzy too. We'll see if she goes that direction. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying having kids um, way more than I thought I would in my young age. I know, age. right? <laughs> it's, uh, I, don't, I, I, I wish I wouldn't have waited so long. It, uh, yeah, I'm having so much fun. It's, uh. it's, it's awesome. Oh, but that's what I was going to say. You reminded me of over the weekend, we took a break from like social media and tried to go off phones a little bit and wound up having these heavy conversations. And uh-huh. one of the main themes was what you mentioned, which was like mindfulness, which was the right. idea of like, just be in this moment because yeah. the past is an idea. The future is an idea. And it's true. This is the only moment. This is all we have. And hearing them explain that back to me resonated so much more than just me in my echo of chamber. Course. No, of course. And that's, yeah, these kids have, uh, there's a lot of wisdom there sometimes. And honesty, brutal honesty. Oh, God. Can be the most honest person on the planet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she eviscerated my 16-year-old's boyfriend. Just not even, she was trying to be sweet and nice, but man, she she laid it out for him. And yeah, the kid had to go home and think about things and put his (laughs) life back in order. (laughs) Because this four-year-old just put some truth smack down on him um <laughs> so yeah yeah it's it's brilliant <laughs> oh ben i well i wish we were doing gigs together and uh I, I hopefully it won't be too long before we do and i'm just i love getting to talk to you thanks so much for being you know so open and thoughtful and man i really appreciate it man my pleasure and yeah i hope to see you down the road very soon yeah for sure all right thank you all so right. much thank you All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.